Good. So let's uh, get started. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Uh, today's October 15, 2019. I'm George Rista, the managing broker uh, at Weikert Realtors, all pros, Chicago office. Uh, we're here in our uh, social media studio uh, with uh, Gino Pronos, our director of social media. Say good morning, Gino. Good morning, everybody. Good, good. Uh, Gino, uh, any special items that we are going to address today before I uh, get off on my own uh, tangent? Well, like you said, I'm not really keeping up with what's going on in the outside world. I'm stuck here in my little uh, cave all the time with no windows, no clocks. I don't know what's going on out there, so you're going to have to fill me in. Good, good. Well, let's start with uh, October 15 is a big day for some. If you have not filed your uh, taxes, your income taxes, today's your absolute deadline uh, without the possibility of incurring uh, some uh, penalties or a fine along the way. Uh, most people uh, know April uh, 15 as the uh, tax uh, date, and most Americans do file on that date. However, there are extensions available. So if you opted to get extensions along the way, you could get you know, usually an initial uh, extension and then fi a final extension. But today's the absolute deadline uh, to get those taxes filed. Mm, it's a good important, place to start. Yeah, important to remember, always file them. Uh, even if you don't have the money uh, on it, file the taxes because then you can uh, you can uh, avoid uh, some penalties and you may be penalized for being late, uh, but you certainly don't want to uh, not uh, carry your fair share uh, on, a, on a national basis. It's uh, it's our uh, duty as Americans to pay our taxes, right? Yeah, unfortunately. So this, I think it's good. this is a good place to start um, because if you're an agent, you're going to be considered an independent contractor, so your tax filing situation is going to be a little different maybe than what some people are used to, just filing with their W-2s. So I know you're not an accountant, so I mean, but you but you do have experience doing this, so maybe you can give uh, everyone a quick breakdown of uh, some of the differences and some stuff to be aware of. Sure, sure. Uh, one of the things that is we have uh, a number of new agents that have been recruited into the company uh, over the last couple of years. We have uh, probably in the neighborhood of about 20 to 25 uh, new agents that have joined our company. Uh, it's important for them to realize that they're going to be transitioning from uh, the norm of uh, having someone hold their taxes for them through withholding, as you mentioned, on a W-2, uh, to where they're paying their own taxes and their own self-employment tax on uh, you know, on their earnings. So it's a, uh, it is a good uh, policy, in my opinion, to isolate the funds immediately and so as soon as you get a check, if you can set up a separate account, that could be a checking account just for your uh, real estate business itself. It helps mm -hmm. to keep it isolated. Uh, or you could uh, set up a passbook account. Uh, they still have those. Uh, just uh, as a matter of fact, uh, okay. there are still a few places out there that have passbooks. So if you, if you do that, you can uh, get a couple of checks uh, cut uh, or uh, have the funds isolated and then put what you think is the appropriate amount into uh, the passbook account. Uh, then when your timeline comes in to make your estimated payments, the money will be there uh, on it. Uh, your first year, usually, uh, there's uh, because you're going through the process, uh, you don't have to necessarily anticipate what you're going to make because your earnings can vary pretty substantially mm -hmm. on it. But by the second year around, then you should be making uh, for sure your uh, estimated uh, payments, uh, and then they uh, ultimately will correspond uh, with you know with the calendar dates uh, that are there. So uh, April 15 uh, for a first one, June 15 for your second, September 15 for your third, and then coming around to the next year, uh, January 15 of the following year would be your fourth. And that's where you should settle up 
and uh, put your uh, your final uh, adjustment in to make sure that uh, plus or minus that you're paying the appropriate amount. Uh, in. And then when your accountant does your returns later, then there's a in their program, it will uh, it will identify whether you've made the right amount of estimates uh, or if you're a little bit high or a little bit low, and that'll go into your final filing uh, for the year. So long answer to a short question, but uh, hopefully somewhat uh, somewhat detailed. Definitely very detailed. So um, as an independent contractor, you're required to basically file and pay your taxes quarterly. Eventually, yeah, you're supposed to make estimated payments on it uh, four times per year. Uh, right. There are earnings requirements there, so I don't know what the threshold is these days. But if you're below a certain amount, then you don't have to do it. But mm. for the most part, uh, you uh, do that, and you just send an estimate. You get a coupon when your taxes are completed by your accountant, and then there should be four coupons uh, that are in there, and you just write the check. Uh, they're uh, separately. But that's why I said if you have it in an isolated account, it's easier. You can just go you know, to your isolated account and, and then uh, transfer it back into your checking and write the check right out of your checking account. And you'll, mm. You won't have the, uh, the scenarios. M uh, most individuals uh, in this business, because our uh, paydays are erratic uh, based on closings, mm. uh, they get a check and then they spend the money because they're paying past bills that might be out there or trying to do something for the future. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that really uh, crimps the style of many, many real estate professionals is uh, even though they're producing uh, high revenues and lots of sales and bringing a lot, a lot of money in, it's expensive to live in our country with the self-employment tax also being added into the mix. Uh, and then uh, you are really in a position where uh, you need to get a handle on that. And upfront is the easiest way to do it. Again, if you don't see it, uh, it's less likely that you're going to spend it. And if it's isolated, uh, then you have a good track uh, record. You have a good uh, uh, way to go back and identify the, the monies that are there if that was ever uh, the case in an audit uh, requested by IRS. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly uh, uh, accounting tools out there that can help you keep track of everything, keep organized, um, like a QuickBooks or, you know, I'm sure there's many just like that, but as long as you log everything as you go, it can kind of help you stay on track and give you a snapshot of what you may need to pay. So you may be aware of the exact numbers that you need to hit. Um, so you're not spending the money, like you said, and then come tax time, you don't have the cash because you spent it. Right. So you can't pay your taxes. So uh, maybe it's a good idea to uh, sign up for one of those services. I don't know if you've ever used those uh, in the past, but... Um, I'm currently signed up with QuickBooks. Okay, good. And so they, they basically do do exactly what I said. As long as you're logging your income, they'll break down your quarterly um, payments, and then you can actually pay it quarterly, and it's kind of more of a set it and forget it thing instead of having to keep track all year and then um, you know, go put everything through your accountant. just kind of streamlines everything, helps you keep organized. So um, for a low fee, it might be worth the convenience. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And uh, one of the other things you can do is Obviously, we have business expenses uh, because we're in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, a, a checkbook or a debit card or whatever way you want to track uh, in an isolated account is also a good way. Uh, anything that you can do to isolate your personal expenses from your business expenses is good. Uh, good for future audit purposes because it's showing you're, you're doing your due diligence to separate your personal life from your business. Uh, and then uh, what I'd recommend too is if uh, you have the luxury of having two credit cards or more. If you take one of the uh, the, the credit cards 
uh, potentially there uh, and just use that for uh, what you perceive to be your business expenses uh, on it, then you'll be in a position you have a good log uh, of that. You don't have to go back and isolate uh, what, uh, you know, what you spent and where you spent the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the nice thing about these tools, because uh, you would basically link your account or accounts to it. So you see everything that comes in and then you're able to easily select if it's a personal or a business uh, expense. Right. So then come tax time, everything is, again, organized very well. So it makes it easier for you. Good. Um, or you could just be old school and write everything down in a checkbook. If I don't even, I don't even have a checkbook. I don't remember. I don't. I don't even know if I've ever written a check in my life, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, it still works. The bank still accepts they it. They still accept it. Yeah, they still yeah. accept it, and you can put it in as a deposit, and uh, and you can also, uh, you know, write the checks back out. Obviously, uh, uh, you know, you're going to do whatever feels the most comfortable for you. Mm. Uh, but I like this the isolation scenario because uh, if you've isolated properly uh, with it, whatever the uh, expenses are. Uh, then uh, if you are requested or if it's required uh, to bring those uh, those uh, documents and that uh, information in at a later point, uh, it's easier because you can just say this is isolated and this is just what I do you mm -hmm. know, for my business only. And if you have a, a cumulative uh, checkbook that has everything in there or uh, an accounting system that has everything in and then later you have to pick and choose, uh, sometimes it's just easier to do it on the spot. You know, you're out for a business lunch uh, with someone. Uh, you uh, may have the ability uh, for deductibility. You know, on that they've changed the tax rules of late, uh, but you can still, from an entertainment uh, perspective, for meals, uh, have a deduction taken against your uh, income, uh, and uh, that that can be uh, that can be something you just deal with. You know, as you go. Mm. But uh, either way works. It's just whatever you feel most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Well, this is all well and good for people as long as they've got income coming in yes which uh and none of this is very relevant until they actually start generating some of these checks that they can manage so uh for someone who's brand brand new what what is something that an agent should do on day one to try to generate their first lead and you know get their first client you know uh very basic stuff i imagine is what you're gonna you're going to say, you know, because the fundamentals are going to be key in this like anything else. So if you're, if you just uh, hired a new agent and they come to you and say, George, what do I do? I don't know. What, I don't know. What would you tell them? Well, first thing I'd do is I'd want to get them enrolled in one of our uh, training programs, mm -hmm. uh, which we have uh, basically uh, two levels of training here at the office. We have a corporate training level, uh, which kicks off uh, and uh, gives a good overview of the way the business works. And, uh, and coupled with that, then we have our own spin uh, that we put on it, which is our all-pro spin, where we separate, separately train uh, agents uh, to, uh, to be prepared for the rigors of the business. Uh, the most important thing that you can do uh, in this business, in my opinion, is to get started with prospecting very quickly mm -hmm. in the game. And there's all different ways to prospect. Uh, one of the, the ways that uh, is good for immediate uh, opportunities would be to uh, look at your sphere of influence uh, that you might have. Uh, this would be individuals that you've met along life's uh, journey. Uh, could be uh, uh, candidates that you went to grade school with or high school or, uh, or college or a social group or uh, a team that you played on or any of those uh, groups uh, that could be out there, could be church connection, could be uh, extracurriculars that you participated over the years. 
or, or just really any grouping that's there. And if you are in a position that uh, you have uh, the uh, connection with them from the past, uh, they can, uh, if properly uh, approached, they can either become a client or might be able to be your advocate as you move forward in the in the real estate journey. So I would say getting that uh, grouping uh, going quickly uh, and then also uh, getting on the phone uh, to individuals I think is good. Uh, some prefer texting, some in the past I guess used to use email. I guess we've kind of passed through uh, the email phase. Somehow we missed that one. You're going to have to let little, that one go. A little bit uh, along the way. But no, really any vehicle is good uh, to be able to uh, to get uh, to those individuals. Uh, I like a personal uh uh, uh, connection uh, with them. Again, uh, everyone communicates in a different fashion, uh, but I, I'd get the word out uh, and I would do it personally if it was me and if I was getting started in the business, just to mm. let individuals know quickly uh, that I'm in the business, that I'm enthusiastic, that I have support at the company that I'm working at now, and that if they have a, uh, a need for real estate services, we can uh, fill the need for them. So it's, it's always going to be much, much easier to uh, reach out to people that you know on a personal level, right? So they're, if nothing else, they're going to be more willing to listen to you just because they may like you as a person, even if they don't actually need your services yet. So that's always a great place to start. But what happens when you go through your whole sphere of influence and at that time, nobody actually needs your services and you have to start prospecting, you know, cold. What, uh, what's, what's a good place to start there? You know, I've, I've done everything. Of course, I've had a long career. Uh, I've uh, knocked on doors of neighborhood businesses uh, where I've just gone up and down each of the main streets and said hello and left my business card because local businesses can also be a great opportunity. And many times uh, the local business person is overlooked uh, because uh, they don't have direct contact and they're trying to do business too. Mm -hmm. So if you have the the local cleaners uh, or uh, the uh, barber or the beauty salon or wherever you happen to use regular services, that's a great opportunity to say hello uh, to those folks. Uh, restaurants, uh, perhaps you take somebody out to a business lunch. Uh, coffee shops, you might uh, go have a cup of coffee with somebody along the way. If you meet those individuals, if you meet those uh, managers, if you meet those employees along the way, uh, I just uh, got a flat tire uh, uh, last week and I stopped in at a local uh, repair shop and I stopped in. I didn't know the place. We just needed to get it done right away. And I wound up uh, coincidentally meeting the manager, gave the manager my card, said hello, and that happened to be his birthday. Uh, mm -hmm. So we gave him a little uh, birthday thank you uh, along the way, which uh, I'm sure was uh, something they didn't expect. But it's just a matter of uh, building goodwill uh, along the way. And if you build enough goodwill, uh, then uh, you're going to be in a position where uh, ultimately that's going to come back to you. That's always been uh, my experience. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe if people rewire their mindset a little bit <clears throat> in that uh, instead of thinking that they're going to just directly say, hey, I'm, I'm in real estate now. Do you need my services? Maybe you should think of it as start putting effort into turning people into advocates for you. So maybe if you were to approach local businesses, you wouldn't just say, uh, can I leave my cards here because I'm a realtor? If anyone cares, you know, or if you can spread the word for me, um, I need some business. Maybe you can do something nice for them without asking them for anything in return. Sure, sure. And just turn, just, just uh, try to do things that maybe will indirectly um, benefit you later. 
um, as far as real estate goes. Yep. Yeah. And uh, small independents uh, are always good because like uh, anyone that has a small business uh, in America, it's not easy uh, to make it in a small business. Mm -hmm. uh, so ultimately, those individuals are going to certainly appreciate uh, your participation and your uh, advocacy also, uh, if you can uh, make contact with them. Uh, we always encourage individuals to come up with a list of vendors. Uh, perhaps you uh, you meet a painter along the way that does exceptionally good work or an electrician or any uh, one that's in the trades. Uh, they can be uh, great sources of referral, but you can also provide them with business too. So as these things uh, develop, a lot of times it's, it's a two-way street uh, along the way uh, in the past. Uh, I used a, a cleaners uh, along the way, dry cleaners uh, for my shirts. So every week I would be in there. Uh, eventually you say, saying hello to folks. And uh, eventually they called me because they knew that I was in the real estate business. So when they had a real estate need, uh, then they called and I was able to assist them. Uh, so some, you, you have to take the really the long uh, vision uh, on many of these items. It's mm -hmm. not where you're going to generate uh, necessarily immediate business. But uh, in, in my opinion, if you take the long vision, and enough people, then eventually the long vision turns into the short uh, vision, and then ultimately you get some business from from each of those. There is no uh, magic bullet. There's no special secret sauce yeah. uh, that's out there that's going to work every time. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I think documentation of those things is really important, though, if you can figure out a way to say, oh, where was I today? And then you can actually document those. Mm -hmm. oh, I, you know, And then you're going to uh, note that. And ultimately, if you can do your prospecting uh, so that you have consistency with it. Uh, I don't care whether it's 15 minutes a day or an hour a day or whatever the timeline is. Uh, if you set the stage and say, hey, this week I just want to meet 10 people uh, and how am I going to meet them? And if I meet them and if I can shake their hand and if I can tell them I'm in the business and I can offer them uh, my services or also uh, say that I would like to uh, be able to recommend my uh, customers, my clients uh, to them, uh, then it, again, it does become a two-way street, and and ultimately, uh, that's usually beneficial to both parties. Um, you said something very important there that I, people might have missed, but since this is such a high-touch game, it's you might you might very easily lose track of what you did, who you talked to, where you went, you know, over time. Um, so you may you may f just forget, and then you may not be able to follow up later because you you've talked to so many people, right? And that may hurt you because. A lot, I think a lot of the uh, success is going to be in the follow-up. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, a one-time uh, contact, one-time touch, as they call it in this business, uh, is nice. But uh, there's an old saying in advertising uh, that if you have not uh, uh, had at least seven contacts with individuals, they're not going to remember you. And those were in the days when there weren't many contacts available. Uh, yeah. So if you had a uh, television commercial, maybe on the seventh uh, time they would recognize your product right. but these days with uh, so much uh, and so many uh, options available media wise and individuals somewhat uh, if you permit that to happen becoming barraged with uh, items that are out there all the time even when you're, you have your phone open uh, how many different solicitations do you receive you know just in a short a very short time frame or how many calls are you getting so again to try to get and crack that level uh, it's going to take more than just a casual uh, connection. You're going to have to yep. be in the in the mix with uh, with them along the way. Yeah. So I, this is uh, exactly the transition that we're making that we started talking about last week. But uh, I think it's now more important than ever to not be not present yourself as this uh, character 
as this real estate professional. And it's much more important now to present yourself as a human being because people, just like you said, they're being solicited to every second of every day. Every website you go on, you're being solicited to every time you uh, you go on Facebook or any social media platform, all you see are ads. Okay, so there's endless possibilities. On top of that, people, uh, the consumer is uh, much more educated than ever because they can just pull out their phone, Google anything that they want to know, and instantly find the information. So I think if you're a client services professional, it's so much more important now to, to uh, be more personable with people actually build a relationship, which is a very classic thing to say in this business. But um, now that we have all these tools available, you can actually do that at scale much more quickly, much more effectively, I think. So instead of calling, you know, 100 people 10 times to make those 10 touches, like, like you said, um, you can actually just do something like this, make a podcast or, you know, do a, a video show or, or whatever, whatever it is, there's endless possibilities. But I think what's key is that you actually are more of a human being than... Um, I, I call it a character. You know, you put on the suit, you present yourself as a very professional person, and that's great. But I think, I don't think people care very much about that be, just because there's so many options. So it's hard to make them care about that. But it's easier to make them care about you as a human being if you connect to them on a personal level. I completely agree. Uh, and I uh, think that uh, the question where uh, everything comes into blend is that, uh, uh, as you had said earlier, do you want to portray yourself as this character or do you just want to really be this character? Do you right. want to be this human being? And if you uh, can uh, just be yourself, uh, then that uh, that sincerity uh, and that honesty and that integrity hopefully will mm -hmm. uh, reach out to enough individuals so that, again, uh, you're not living uh, the tale of being a certain character, but rather you're in a position where you are uh, you are just being yourself yes. and hopefully uh, connecting to individuals on a personal level there. Hopefully we're saying the same thing. I think we are. No, I think we definitely are. Um, uh, now, one, one small thing is that when you, if, if you approach somebody cold, you never met them before, you know, how important is it to present yourself in a certain way? Okay, because... I think that people are influenced by that. I think they will make a snap judgment on you. If you walk up to them in sweatpants you walk, or versus walking up to them in a nice suit, they're going to make a snap judgment. And maybe they'll listen to your spiel after that, but I think they've already made up their mind whether or not that they want to work with you because of something so silly. Now, I always say it doesn't really make you a better realtor because you're wearing a suit. But I think, unfortunately, it does increase your chances of somebody working with you, especially if they don't know you. So... But now, if you're somebody who doesn't normally wear suits, for example, you know, is it important there to be yourself and be authentic and be okay with the fact that some people may not want to work with you because of that, even though it's, I think it's wrong? Or is it better to just uh, see the bigger picture and put on that suit and, you know, uh, just, just to increase your chances of getting business? That's, you know, that always goes back to the individual, the personal uh, personal uh, feelings and their uh, their own in, uh, feeling about what they are and what they want to be. Uh, there is, as I said before, no special way that works for everyone. Uh, you can be the rebel uh, without a cause out there. You can be the uh, complete professional, and uh, many of those individuals are going to be uh, 
are going to be in all different shapes and varieties. I think one of the things to probably take a look at is uh, looking towards the middle. So if you look towards the middle and you find yourself completely isolated on either side of where the middle of America happens to be, mm -hmm. uh, then you might find yourself a little bit out in the cold because uh, human nature uh, is uh, such that uh, many, many times we want to do uh, business with someone that uh, we see uh, that's in our own likeness uh, because we have uh, comfortable feelings about that, or we want to do business with someone uh, where it's our vision that uh, they we think that they're going to handle our business in an appropriate fashion. And uh, I guess just historically, over the last uh, many, many years, then individuals, uh, higher-end professionals, have just worn, say, a suit and a tie, mm -hmm. uh, you know, along the way. Yeah. And uh, it appears that uh, you know, that they've had success. However, there's uh, plenty of uh, CEOs and multi-billionaires uh, that are out there that are on the other side, uh, you know, of the equation. So I think you can do it either way. I think it's just your own personal uh, business. Uh, and I, I think it, it's kind of a trial and error uh, opportunity that's out there. You don't know who you're going to meet. Uh, and obviously, if you were in a, uh, say, a writing group, uh, I have a client right now that said uh, he's out of town and he's uh, on his bike. Well, I had this vision of him going on a bike trail up and down some trees, but then later I found out he was riding his motorcycle you know, that was out there and he just referenced it, of course, as a bike. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you can have just different groups of individuals that you can connect to. And I have that in my personal life. I've got uh, all different uh, types of individuals that do different things. And, and we all kind of blend at some point, uh, hopefully with a common, uh, a common theme and a common and common values. Mm -hmm. uh, that we would have. And those are the things that eventually link you together. But as you said, uh, first impression is really important. So if you can't get past the first impression uh, with someone, you're really not going to be able to go deep and have that uh, right. that relationship that's going to get established down the road. Exactly. How's that sound? Exactly, exactly. But that's where you hit your first crossroad. Or, okay, well, I can't speak for anyone else, but that's where I usually hit my first crossroad sometimes because if I meet someone for the first time, um, I've never done this exactly, but if I walked up to somebody, I look kind of like a slob, like I'm wearing sweatpants or something. And I'm trying to ask them for business. Obviously, it doesn't match up, right? Like it, someone wouldn't really reasonably make a connection that I'm a professional person. I'm going to do a good job for them just because of something like that. So, but if I was someone who, you know, dressed a certain way or, you know, talked a certain way or, you know, had a certain style about myself is, you know, it's, it's tempting to kind of try to mold yourself to what you think that person wants you to be. So I don't know if you, if you, uh, like this guy that you were just talking about, he's in a, a bike biker club or something like that. So maybe he wears, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know anything about biker clubs, but maybe he, he wears attire more appropriate attire, like, whatever bikers wear, leather vests and whatever like that. Let's go to the extreme. Like it's a Mayans movie or a TV show. But in real life, if he's talking to somebody, he probably shouldn't be dressed like that. He probably should be dressed more professional, which I hate that word. But um, yeah, I, again, I think it's just, uh, it's going to come down to the individual scenarios that are, are there. Uh, and, um, I, and I think we all are in a position that we make uh, those preliminary judgments you know, as we go, as well, we go through. Just bottom line it for me. Is it better to just be yourself authentically all the time? 
So don't care what anyone thinks and be okay with them judging you and saying no. Or should you, or should the skill be remaining light on your feet and being able to adjust to all different types of people? I think we always have to be adaptable and adjustable in order to survive because we're going to be dealing with so many different types of human experiences Mm -hmm. uh, there. And as I said, again, if you uh, kind of figure out what's the what the middle is, uh, and then you have to be true to yourself uh, along the way. Then uh, sometimes there's a blending that can go on where you can do you know, the, those things simultaneously uh, along the way. Sometimes not, and then ultimately, I think uh, one of the things, especially from a business perspective, is trial and error. So you can sometimes try, you know, uh, certain fields, uh, and then you may uh, again uh, not. Uh, if you had say a specific group. Of friends, for example, I have another friend that was uh, for many years involved in uh, scuba diving. He was part of a scuba diving club. Well, when those guys got together, they were in full uniform uh, on it. So they had the scuba, they had the uh, swimming pool or wherever they were going diving. Uh, if you took that group uh, and then you looked at them uh, within their own group of 20 or 30 or 40, you'd say, wow, it's, it's just a group of all different individuals that are wearing the scuba gear. And mm-hmm. it would be kind of hard to, uh, to, again, track them uh, along the way. But they all uh, wind up splintering out and doing other things and perhaps in their own profession. Uh, they're wearing a suit and tie. Maybe they're just wearing a polo shirt uh, mm-hmm. along the way. So I, I don't know if you can do the specific tracking, but if you're part of a social network and whatever it is uh, for uh, for that network, you can feel real comfortable because you're in your mode uh, of what's there. But again, if you're going back into the general appeal of the public, uh, falling somewhere uh, within acceptable social uh, means is probably going to be your most effective business uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, scenario. Uh, no, no guarantees. It all still comes down to meeting a lot of people and then having your own personality and your own twist, which is going to separate you from many of the others that are somewhat vanilla out there. I don't think there's anything the matter with uh, Neapolitan ice cream. I think that yeah. that's good. You got variety. On the flip side, uh, if uh, if you uh, get started uh, along the way, then uh, you you want to make sure that. Uh, uh, you, you continue to keep evaluating, you know, what you're doing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So you can certainly uh, prospect just through your daily activities that you'd be doing anyway. So if you are in a scuba club, obviously in that case, everyone's in scuba gear and everyone's talking about, you know, that world and everything. So you can prospect there and then it's an easier question to answer. But if you're if you're just committing time every day or every week to prospecting for your business only, um, and you're, you're blocking out very specific chunks of time, you're, is it, is it better to just kind of stay down the middle and appeal to everybody, like you said, or should you just be yourself and wear, you know, scuba t-shirts and, you know, sweatpants if that's what you wear, you know? Uh, you know, again, uh, if, if you're out in a business environment, who are you connecting with? is going to be the right. target. If you're connecting with business owners on the street and you're going to be stopping in you know, there, then they're going to perceive you in the way that you present yourself. Right. Uh, so whatever way you want to be presented, then I think you're going to try to match that up along the way. If you're going to uh, a, uh, 
a uh, Wolves hockey game, uh, then they may not anticipate seeing you in a three-piece suit. Uh, you might yes. be in Wolves gear and uh, cheering for your favorite independent hockey team uh, or any of those things. So I think it all, again, it just matches up to the environment that you happen to be in, you know, on it. Uh, in uh, if, if you're doing door-to-door canvassing, you know, when you're out on the street, uh, uh, contacting, inviting uh, folks, say, to come to an open house or whatever, uh, you know, wherever... Uh, the, the real estate call happens to be, then, of course, I think you want to be in a position where you, know, you have somewhat of, of a professional feel, whether that's wearing uh, you know, a suit and tie or whether that's just wearing uh, something like business casual, as they call it today, or something that looks uh, somewhat professional is probably going to be preferable mm. uh, than um, you know, being in a position where you're out there in your uh, jogging shorts and, uh, and you know, inviting yeah. folks to come into, into a, uh, an event. We keep using attire as the example here, but this is this really applies to any part of your presentation. You know, your personality, your, your looks. You know, like, like like I said, how you speak, anything. And everyone's obviously going to be very unique and have their own style. Okay, but I think it's very tempting for people to try to stay right down the middle and kind of uh, uh, become this professional character, like I was saying, where if you take ten people in real life, they're very very different, very unique. But if when they're in their business mode, they're all going to kind of more or less look and sound the same, which I think is a very dangerous game to play, even though it's very tempting. Um, well, unless you can really connect, uh, in my experience, with the client on a personal basis, then uh, I don't think most clients just want to deal with uh, with the professional side. They may uh, That might get you in the door, but to eventually make the sale, mm-hmm. which is to uh, relate to them to go deep, uh, and be in a position where you have some connection to them, uh, then that's really going to be part of your uh, interview process when you're sitting with a buyer or a seller. If you just go right into the business aspect of it, that's fine. It might work for mm-hmm. some, uh, but if you are able to find out a little bit more about the client, be it buyer or seller, their personal interest, tell me a little bit about yourself, let me tell you a little bit about myself, you might connect on uh, some basis that uh, you're not anticipating. And that connection alone mm-hmm. uh, might be enough to d- differentiate you from maybe the competition, which is all per, uh, presenting themselves in the same fashion. So mm-hmm. that's just a little example I've had. Uh, and, and it's not really a business tactic. If you like people, if you want to be interested in your client, if the client's interested in you, you can share that information, you know, along the way, or uh, and, and uh, or be in a position that you can uh, at least ask the questions and see what the folks want to do if they want to share, you know, or not, and. And then, uh, again, you, you can always give them a little bit of background about your own history, uh, whatever that happens to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to speak from uh, my own personal experience as well as uh, from the perspective of a new agent. Because like I said, as, as you, it's very tempting to leave your personality at the door and become more of a, a robot and make a presentation to people. And then I think as you get better and get, gain experience, you get looser and you open up more. And uh, you're just much lighter on your feet because you know how to handle objections, I think, right. is one of the biggest things. I would but agree. When, uh, when you're new, it's very tempting. It was for me to just pretty much almost script a presentation and say the same thing more or less to everybody. And I noticed everyone's just kind of looking at me falling asleep. And no one seemed to really care very much about all the little tactics, although valuable and useful, but... They just just didn't really seem to care very much about the business, right? It's almost as if they they are they already assumed 
that I'm going to do a good job and that I'm a professional and I know what I'm doing. I'm going to, I'm going to know how to sell their house basically. But yet my presentation is all about how I'm going to sell their house, but they just don't seem to care about that very much. They seem to care more about me, the human being. Yep. And so that's I, fine. You got, again, as you mentioned, light on your feet, you just need to be in a position that uh, you can uh, have a good connection with the client, answer their questions, and then also be in a position where they feel comfortable you know, working with you. And that's the whole you or that's the whole agent that we have you know, working at our company uh, to make sure that uh, each of them is not robotic, but rather is in a position where uh, they know the basics of the business so that they can explain it to those individuals that mm -hmm. have a lot of questions. Uh, many times individuals say, hey, I, I haven't done this for 30 years. Uh, can you tell me, give me the basics, uh, how do we do this? Uh, and I have other individuals that uh, have a deeper understanding of the of the business itself. And the, each of those conversations takes on its own life. It's hard to predict you yes. know, where you're going to wind up going uh, down the road uh, you know, as, we, uh, as we go uh, on it. Uh, how about a final question, Gino, before I have a, a final little wrap-up here? Do you have anything else for me that you're, you're thinking about today? Um, well, outside of what we've been talking about, nothing comes to mind. Okay. Um, I just want to make one final point, actually, about it, and then we can leave it at that, I guess. But um, I think all this stuff becomes so much more important just because people have so many options that you touched on earlier. You know, there's so many more avenues people can go with the media and, and like I said with the internet as a whole so I think it's just better for people in my very humble opinion to to not present yourself like this character like this real estate professional whatever that even means because uh, that's gonna mean some, something different to everybody but to almost as if to, to think of it as the less you talk about real estate when you sit down with someone the more likely it's going to be that you get real estate business, which I think is tough for people to accept on day one because A, they don't know any better, they don't have any experience, and then it's just easier to, to revert to that, you know, to just talk about real estate as much as you can, make your presentation crisp and almost create your script, like I said, but I think the less that you do that, the more likely it'll be that you will have success early on. That's how I feel. Good. So, good. that's it. Well, that, I think, again, is uh, the comfort level that each of us uh, he has as we go through uh, presentations, as we meet buyers, we meet uh, potential sellers, and we certainly want to be in a position that we can answer their questions and, uh, again, have them develop that comfort level uh, that's there, uh, you know, for, for all of us. Uh, final thoughts today is we recap uh, the Nationals uh, team uh, winning their third game uh, last night uh, against mm. the, the, uh, the dreaded Cardinals. Uh, mm. They're uh, looking at a sweep. Whether that's going to happen or not, the Cardinals always seem like they come up with uh, some surprise out of the uh, out of the hat. But uh, really, just doing more of a, an acknowledgement from a kid from the neighborhood. Uh, and when my brother Johnny, youngest brother, uh, was a freshman at high school at uh, Holy Cross High School, uh, which is now the successor school is Garen Prep. Uh, but when uh, Johnny was in high school, uh, he started on the basketball team. 
uh, and the guard that played across from him, Johnny was a point guard, and uh, his name was Mike. And Mike is very prominent today uh, because he continued his career at Holy Cross, uh, wound up uh, continuing uh, on the baseball team, actually, and not so much basketball, but he came, became a, uh, a good baseball player, eventually got into scouting uh, on the baseball side, uh, became uh, very well known uh, as the scout that uh, signed Frank Thomas, uh, for the Chicago White Sox, for any uh, White Sox fans that are out there, continued mm -hmm. after that. And he's has made his way from the Diamondbacks uh, to now being the uh, general manager of the Washington Nationals. Mm -hmm. So if you do watch a baseball game and uh, they're always panning the booth and they mention the name Mike Rizzo, uh, Mike's a kid that was right from the neighborhood, uh, right uh, from the Shabona Park area, and uh, wound up uh, going through uh, neighborhood schools at Holy Cross and, and has had a great career. And uh, I guess that's our connection, not having the Cubs in uh, this year. Mike probably was a Cub fan, I got to think, because he lived right off of Addison uh, or, uh, or Irving there. Uh, and uh, might have. Uh, I'm hoping he was a Cub fan when he was growing up mm -hmm. on the north side. But in any event, uh, wound up uh, becoming uh, a very, very prominent uh, person that we see uh, out there with baseball. So good luck, Mike, with the, with the Nationals. And we'll see uh, where you wind up if you, if you win the... Uh, the, uh, the National uh, League uh, Series, and then uh, again have to go uh, as a heavy underdog against the American League team. Uh, that uh, series is now tied with the uh, Astros and the Yankees at a 1-1 uh, uh, pace on that one. So we'll see how that one plays out. But uh, always good to uh, have a, a, just a regular guy from the neighborhood uh, wind up to have such, uh, success in his uh, given field. So that's going to be the end of today's uh, meeting. Gino, thanks again for your uh, questions and for putting the uh, presentation together for us today. Thank you, George. Okay, let's have a great day.